Hello, hello, and welcome back to Flourish. I am your host, Jules. And I'm Nicolette. You guys, today we have such a special guest on our podcast. Her name is Ashley Jensen. And basically, we are having her on to share her story of losing her husband and navigating grief and basically turning it into something brighter and better. Yes. She talks about all of her healing process and how she got through that really hard situation and ended up turning it into something really special in a beautiful new chapter of her life. Yes. So she's very open and raw and vulnerable. We always talk about how much we love being vulnerable and how sharing our raw selves can ultimately help so many other people, which Mm -hmm. is, I mean, why we love our podcast in general because we're open and we hope that everything we share, whether it's me and Jules or the guests that we have on here is helping someone who is going through something similar or might be going through, might go through something similar later in their life. So we are just very grateful that she felt, um, comfortable to share the very intimate details of this part of her life in order to hopefully help you guys. Yes. So it was such a special conversation Mm -hmm. and we hope you really enjoy it. Let's get into it. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so we just want you to start by sharing your story in as much detail or a little detail as you want, but just to give us a little, give our listeners a little brief on your entire story. Yeah, and who you are, where you're from, all the things. Yes. Okay, perfect. All right. So for those who don't know me, my name's Ashley, and I was born and raised in Salt Lake. Um, you know, raised LDS, and I kind of just always thought I would get married, meet the guy of my dreams, and not really have to work. <laughs> I would just be a mom. So Great. kind of what I did. I got married at nineteen, and I you know, kind of live that life. And, um, I, I would say about four years, well, actually after the first year I was married, I started trying to get pregnant and it took me four years to get pregnant, which in turn caused a lot of hardships in my marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, in that process, my husband started kind of questioning the church and, Um, you know, so we were definitely working on this marriage a lot and, um, finally we get pregnant and it actually happened in a natural way, which was so wild. Yeah. After years, yeah. Years of like, I did acupuncture and I did, you know, all the like hormone therapy and all these things, like taking my temperature every morning all the things you can think of, I was doing it. And then all of a sudden, like, we ended up taking a little bit of a break. And then 
he kind of was like, I feel like I could be ready again to start this process. And I agreed. And so it was like the first time I was just even checking my hormones and I was like, oh, wait, I'm pregnant. What the no heck? way. Stop <laughs> it. Yeah. <What>? So, <gasps> That's amazing. Of, I know a lot of my story, I do feel like relates to timing, like everything for me goes back to the right timing and every, the way everything is played out is like, this is how it was meant to be. Um, so I get pregnant and uh, I have my baby in December of 2016. And that next year, I could tell that mental, my husband's mental health was declining and it was a cause for concern. I was definitely really not sure what to do because I was, you know, A, living the life that I always imagined. I finally had my baby. I was just head over heels in Mm -hmm. love with being a mom. And I felt like our marriage was in a good place. And, but, you know, on his side, he started saying things that were alarming and things that, but he was such a vivacious, like, uh, person. And he really, like, he had a way of just making you feel comfortable. And so he would kind of say something off, like, I don't know, like, I used to be Joseph Smith in a previous life kind of a thing. And I'm like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah, you're like, what do you mean? I'm like changing a diaper. I'm like, wait, are you? I don't know about that. Yeah, you're you're like, this is interesting. But then you turn it around and it was like, but, you know, whatever. And and I'd be like, okay, maybe that was just, you know, fine. A joke. Whatever. Yeah, like, I don't know. You you know, we all have different theories. So I was kind of like, all right, maybe we're okay. But it started getting a little bit worse and worse. And um, I think ultimately he was dealing with a lot of things internally. And I don't feel like he had, um, I don't think he felt comfortable in expressing what was really going on inside of him. And so... Fast forward to my baby is eight months old and it's July and we, it was a normal day. Um, we had both gone to the gym that morning. He had, we drove separately. So he went and I went, my mom was watching the baby. I picked up the baby going home. He was already home and I walked in and I just instantly knew something was super off. He was acting super weird he was in the garage and kind of almost having like a panic attack. And so he said, I need to go to the hospital or I need you to call 911. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm calling 911. He's like, no, wait, take me to the hospital. So I take him to the hospital and it was a lot of frantic energy. And, um, I was really just not totally sure what was going on, but still wanting to show up for him. And, on this day, he had a therapy appointment. So I felt comforted knowing, okay, he's going to go to his therapy appointment. I'm texting the therapist like, hey, I'm just a little concerned. Can you just keep your eye out like for some things? I just, I don't really know what's going on with him. And um, 
we don't end up going into the hospital because he's like, I think I'm fine. He kind of started breathing and, you know, we go back home. And so he's like, I'm going to go to the appointment. So he's, he leaves. And that was the last time I saw him. Um, wow. He left. He ended up taking my car, which was very unusual. And, um, you know, I kind of had a lot of things in that car, like for the baby. And so it was weird. But he took my car and he never made it to the appointment. I would say about halfway through the day, he stopped responding and I was starting to get concerned. Like, yeah, you know, my therapist said he never made it. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? So that's when I pull open, like find my iPhone and I'm like trying to figure out where he's at, what's going on. And this was really the beginning of an 18 day search Mm. for him. And, um, it was really, a surreal process because no one like you, you don't know what to do in that situation. So, you know, we're called, we're filing a police report. We're calling, you know, the phone company. We're just trying to get any information that we can. Um, we ended up finding my car that night, but, it was pretty clear that there were other people that had been in my car. And what we had found out later was that he, this is kind of just shows kind of the mental place that he was in, but he basically handed my car over to someone and traded it for a bike. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Some people like random people just like were driving my car around and he had been spotted on a bike. And so interesting. You know, again, like one of my huge things now is mental health because of this experience and mm-hmm. um, witnessing firsthand how destructive, you know, certain behaviors can be. He was doing psychedelics He and and I don't necessarily think psychedelics are bad. There's a lot of these things that I don't think are necessarily bad, but I don't think there was ceremony around the partaking of these things or intention. And um, I think that, you know, the drugs almost took him. Mm -hmm. And instead of him using the drugs as a tool to empower him. And so I do think that, you know, just that alone was a huge factor and then also just him not even feeling comfortable enough to express like internally what was going on was another big part of it but we did search for 18 days and it was tumultuous and we Mm. had search parties and you know people showed up and that was one of the coolest things about the whole thing was that you don't know how many people are really standing behind you until you're in a situation like that and you look around and people just show up like people I didn't even know people were reaching out like everyone just showed up to the table to help out you know I we were driving down the road and there was a billboard of like trying to help people help us find him Mm -hmm. and I had no idea that you know 
to that level, but people were trying to help us. And so it was really one of the coolest things to witness was just that the community that rallied around to try to find him. Um, and it was on day 18 that there was a huge um, rainstorm and the rainstorm, you know, kind of, he was in found in the river and the rainstorm kind of flushed the river to move forward and his body was found in the river. And so, you know, I feel so lucky that we found him because mm-hmm. so many people go for so long without answers and without finding their people. And that would have been the hardest thing was is to have not know like what happened. And we still don't actually even know how he got in the water, but yeah. Um, you know, I think for his family and for myself, just being able to have that closure was really, um, it was just really comforting to know that we found him, although obviously not in the way that we wanted to find him. So this was August, let's see, August of 2017 was when his funeral was. And that really, you know, after that moment, propelled me on a journey of just complete, you know, it was now I was looking at my life crumbled into pieces and it was now up to me to rebuild. Totally. From the ground up. Yeah. So, you know, I moved out of my house and we had built a house together. And so I moved out. I was living with my mom and my dad and they were really taking care of me. And, you know, from that moment on, I think that was the first time I realized that I'm in charge of my life and I, I get to make the shots and it's now me. I, it's up to me to create a life for myself and my daughter that feels really aligned. And so I don't think, I don't think up to that point I had ever really been making decisions for myself in my life outside of the things I was told I was supposed to do. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to like do all these things. This was the first time I felt like, you know what? I'm taking my life back. I don't care what anyone says. I, this is my life and I and moving forward. And so, you know, I actually didn't feel comforted anymore by going to the church that I was raised in. And I really just needed to almost like strip away everything to really figure out what is it that I want? What, what does feel right now? And how do I want to move forward? And so stopped going to church and really focused on my healing journey and moving forward and building a new life. And um, so it's kind of crazy looking back at that time period because, let's see, that was 2017. And fast forward now, like, I am 
living in a new state. I have a new baby. I'm married. I have created a life that is so aligned and feels so right for me. And every decision that I made moving forward since then has felt right in my body, has felt right in my heart, and has been made out of, from an intuitive place. And I feel so grateful that I, I was able to get really conscious and aware and, and just, you know, move forward from a place of like, no, we are just moving forward out of pure, like desire to create the life of my dreams for my daughter. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. Really empowering. Do you feel like do you feel like that was able, like you were able to do that like quickly or did that take time for you with like, cause it, it sounds like you just had to kind of make the decision for you and your daughter, like, okay, I can't sit in, you know, this heavy place for so long. Like I have to act in order to create like this life for myself and my daughter to be its fullest, most beautiful life that it can be. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was it was quick and and I think too I felt a ton of motivation to move forward. If I didn't have her mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the age that she was and again this goes back to timing and the way that things have all panned out for me, but like she needed to be at the age she was for me and at that time period and Um, I was so angry at that time period, like at that time when everything was happening, I had so much anger about the way that it all panned out. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I did all the things I was supposed to do. I got married in the temple. I lived this life. You you know, you're supposed to receive all these blessings and, and I did all the things I was supposed to do. And then literally right in front of my eyes, my life crumbled to pieces And so I think it was for me the first time I was like, you know what? No, I'm actually (laughs) going to take charge and actually do the things that feel right for me. And so I did start going to therapy right away. And that was every other week for like two years. And um, that was fueled out of motivation for me to, you know, to start rebuilding this life for us. And then I did end up meeting my husband, now husband, we met in November, which I think for a lot of people, outsiders looking in felt really quick. But until you're in that situation and you've Mm -hmm. felt those feelings, you don't really know how you're going to respond or what you're going to feel ready for. Absolutely. But I, I was you know, so excited to, I had been through so much and I was so exhausted and I had fought so hard for this marriage and then it was gone. And there was also a lot of, um, other things I haven't mentioned about my story, like infidelity and things that just fueled more anger for me that, Mm. you know, finding out after the fact. And so I had a lot of anger I was holding on to at that time period that really fueled my, my grieving process, but also my rebuilding process, which 
looking at it now, I'm really grateful for that and that I, I, you know, I was feeling that way when I was because it did propel me on this journey and I'm look at it now and I, I have nothing but respect and honor for my husband and for the life that we had together. And I feel so grateful for the part that I played in his life and for the part that he played in my life and that we were able to be there for each other when we were. And looking forward also now with my daughter's mental health is top priority for me and making sure they always feel comfortable to Mm. come to me with anything and that they feel like they can be vulnerable with me and share anything that they feel because I don't feel like that's what he felt comfortable doing. When he passed, did you feel, because you you talked about that there was a lot of anger, and do you feel like that was your most prominent emotion at, at the beginning? I, like, try to picture what it would feel like to be in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, if this was Colby that it happened to, I – Cause I feel like I would just be so pissed. I think I'd be pissed at God and I think I'd be pissed at Colby. (laughs) Yeah. And is that, is that like, what were those like initial moments that you like sat in for a really long time? Was it anger mostly? I would say it was everything at the same time. Like, have you ever Mm. felt more than one emotion at the same time? Like (laughs) I was livid out of my mind and I was the saddest I've ever been and I was terrified so scared and so lonely and I think it was just like literally everything at the same time but the the underlying fueling emotion was anger and it was fueling me you know to to heal which I'm so grateful for Mm -hmm. and how did you because when I'm mad at Colby I get to talk to him about it, right? Like I can like yell at him Mm -hmm. if I want to. I can cry. He can see my emotions. We can talk through it. But when the person you're mad at isn't here anymore, how did you navigate that? Like so that you could move on from it? Yeah, I, I really relied on my therapist. That was critical for me. And he was able to really help me process a lot of those emotions. And then I also, you know, would take moments for myself to, to go hide away. Like I would drive up kind of in the mountain and find a spot and I would just sit there and I would talk to him and just be like, I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad at you for doing this. And also like, I miss you and I'm sad and I'm lonely. And, you know, I would just, Mm. I would take a time for myself to express those emotions out loud so that they didn't just live in me. Mm -hmm. I think one of my biggest tools was letting the emotion flow through instead of bottling it up or shoving it under the rug. And the more I allowed the emotions to hit, like they would come like a wave. But when I could process it, let it come and then release it, I think that was my my best way of like moving forward because ultimately I think every time those emotions would come up, there was a gift, a little gift in there for me that I would take 
And then it would kind of pass through and it's like, oh man, okay, that was like a new perspective shift or like, you know, it's like I, I would get a little snippet of something that would help me move forward when I allowed it to flow through me. That's a really good way to look at it because I think even speaking from experience, like when when we go through hard things, I think that it's really easy to feel numb or to try not to feel things because it doesn't always feel good to feel yeah. sad and to feel angry and to feel all of those harder emotions. But I think that's so beautiful. What you said is that you did just have to like feel them and sit in them mm-hmm. and that you were able to, but like, that's really strong that you were able to find like beautiful like gifts or lessons in those moments I'm like trying to think if I would be able to do the same in myself or but I just that's really impressive I think that my motivation was my baby because Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know what I how I would have responded without her but I know that I was motivated to heal and to process and to like let it hurt as much as it needed to because I knew I needed to create a new life for us. And, um, and I knew that she deserved better. And so that was my motivation. I really don't know how I would have responded Mm -hmm. if it was just me. I could have seen myself like laying in bed all day, like not moving or doing anything or feeling motivation, but she fueled all of my, all of my healing because it just gave me purpose. Like, no, you deserve better than this. And I'm not going to let this define us. I remember so clearly when you posted, um, like this, like, I don't know if it was like a story on your Instagram or like back then it was probably like an IGTV. I don't know, but a roundup of like all these videos of, your daughter and your husband before Mm -hmm. he had passed and like Mm -hmm. just remember that oh my gosh I think I watched it like a hundred times because it highlighted your husband in such like a beautiful way too because how you said he was like vivacious and I I've never met him and um he was it you could feel it and like the absolute love in his eyes for your daughter yes like made me (gasps) melt (laughs) and your daughter is just also this like a vivacious little spirit as Mm -hmm. well and I now that I have a baby I I have this like and I'm sure it has to do with like postpartum hormones but I have this like fear of losing my husband and like when I think I like rewatch all these videos I already have of my baby with my husband and the way they look at each other and the way that my husband can make my baby laugh. And I just like try to envision like I, I, it, I like don't even want to let myself go there to know what it would feel like to have to move on from that and how much sadness I'd feel for my son for not having his father anymore. And, um, but I also, then I just started this morning. I, when I was thinking about recording with you today, I was thinking about how weird it probably felt 
to be mourning the loss of your spouse, but then having this like perfect little baby that like still makes you smile during the day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a weird emotion to like navigate where you like still experienced joy on those days following his death? Like, and did you ever I- feel guilty? That was the thing. Like, when I say every emotion at the same Mm -hmm. time, like, I would be having a panic attack. Like, during the 18-day search, you know, there were many times when I – it was just too much for my body to handle. And, like, I would step into, like, a panic attack. And the only thing that would calm me down was, like, her energy. Like, I had to have someone bring her to me and, like, just put her on me. And I would, like Mm – Mm-hmm. She would just call me down and um, every day I think it was sometimes surprising because we had so many people like in and out of the house and, you know, just helping. And we had like a full computer system set up in my mom's kitchen of like guys who knew how to hack into accounts and whatever to just try to get any information. And I think that it was shocking for some people because we'd be sitting in the living room with people or we'd be sitting in the living room with Poppy and we'd just be laughing. And and because she just exuded so much joy. And, you know, in the next moment, it was complete and utter chaos. And so I think she, she did give me moments of break from my nervous system to feel what joy feels like. And I think that was one of the bigger reasons too, why I was able to move forward because I was like, no, she is pure goodness and pure joy and she deserves so much more. And I will say too, that Paul, my previous husband, he, he was, all he wanted was to be a dad. Mm. And it, breaks my heart that he didn't get to experience her for longer because Mm -hmm. she is such a joy and I and I and he was also just such an incredible person the people that knew him loved him so much and that is why we had also so many people show up to help find him because everyone he met he, he left an impression on them and he was he was just that kind of person where you meet, you meet him and it's like, whoa, he was so cool. And he made me feel so comfortable and welcomed. And he just had this ability of, of bringing everybody into his circle and making everyone feel seen. And so I was so devastated that she didn't get to have him and he didn't get to have her physically in this world Mm -hmm. to be together. Um, And I think that was one of the harder things you know, every death anniversary or every anniversary date would come up to me and would come up. I was like, dang, I just wish that he could be here to experience her. And I, and I do believe that wherever he is, he sees her and and feels her energy, but it's selfishly like, I want to see you. I want to see you and witness you be here with her, you know? Of course. Have you had to explain, I mean, how old is Poppy now? She's five. So how, because that, I mean, that's a whole other deal as well. Like, how do you explain that to a child that they're like, does she remember him or, or no? No, (laughs) she doesn't have any memories of him. And 
you know, I am very open with her about the whole thing, but at the same time, there's a lot that she doesn't know because of course yeah not old enough there's yeah an age appropriate time and I do think that this phase in her life like she's super happy and you know for her my new husband is her dad and Mm -hmm. she doesn't know she knows that she has daddy Paul and she has daddy Dane and um, (laughs) you know we've never shied away from talking about daddy Paul and it there any time that there's something that she does that reminds me of him, I make sure I tell her like, oh, that's oh that sweet. little face you did like reminded me of your daddy Paul or he loved this song or I try to make sure that he's around, you yes. know, just, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit her down and be like, okay, so here's what happened. Like I'm going no. to wait till she yeah. has more questions. Of course. Um, And I know that day will come and, and we'll approach that when it does. But, you know, she's just too young still to really grasp the whole picture. And it's also just not necessary. No, of course. How was that like transition um, when you met your current husband, as far as like bringing Poppy into that, you know, into that situation? And was there, did you ever have any, like, was that hard for you to, like, were there, were the feelings with that always, like, good? Was that easy to, I guess, bring, just bring that whole situation together? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I was, initially, I was like, hey, I'm never getting married again. That was, like, so traumatic. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I will just be single yes. my whole life, and I will be happy and fine. Um but the way that we met was my my best friend, she does hair. And so she did my – his name's Dane. So she did Dane's hair. And there was one night where she was like, I really want you to meet this guy, but I'm just kind of waiting for the right moment. And I was like, well, just bring him by sometime. We'll just, like, keep it casual. I wasn't really ready to date, per se, but I was like, yeah. just, you know, just bring him over. It'll be casual and fun or whatever. So – she invites him to what I'm living at my mom's house. So she invites him to my mom's house and you know, there's other friends there. So it's like a friend get together thing, but he comes into my mom's house and he meets my mom, my dad, my child, like, Oh my gosh. I initially was like, I am not going to let anyone date, like meet Poppy for a long time. Yes. And, Whoops. and there it went. Yep. Everyone. It's like, here is the whole crew. You're like, well, this is me. So. <laughs> it's, and I didn't even, I was thinking of like, Oh, this will just be like, you know, it's just like, entertainment honestly like I'm not gonna be anything serious but the moment we met I was like oh man I'm in trouble like he is so cute and interesting and I want to learn more about him and um he actually that night it was like one of the first nights that Poppy walked for the first time and he was there for that. Really? And he fell in love with her before he fell in love with me. He was like (laughs) this child and he was, had been single for, you know, a decent amount of time. He was like 30 something, never been married and, um, and dated, you know, women who had kids, but he was like 
there was just something about Poppy that was so different (laughs) and so special. And he just, I think, knew right away that, like, how much he, like, loved her instantly. And so, you know, it was interesting and confusing and weird. And I wasn't sure how to navigate that. But um, I just moved from a place in my heart. And I just, you know, was really intuitive about it. And we we kind of did move fast, but at the same time, he held a lot of space for me to grieve, which I needed. Mm -hmm. And he, he gave me so much room to process and heal and grieve. And that's what I needed. Um, in those next two years going forward. And so he was really great at giving me that time and that space so that I could process and he just fortunately was able to like I I didn't I told him I don't have that much to give but I see so much in you and in this relationship and if you can just hold out like yeah I have a feeling it's gonna be great but you're gonna have to be really patient with me and he was so and was really do you great. S- do you still have days where you need to like talk things through or I mean, or not even now, but like, did you a lot during the past few years with Dane feel like you like needed to talk about Paul and, and did he, has he always responded really well or has it ever gotten hard for him as well? Where he's like, ah, this is like, I feel like I'm in someone's shadow or how has that all been? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think it's hard because there's so many um there's so many triggers for me that would come up and you know, I would have to process those things and he was my shoulder to cry on through a lot of those moments. And he would kind of just sit there and not really say much, but allow me to just express what was going on inside of me. And that was exactly what I needed as far as me, like needing to, I think a lot of the communication was about me explaining to him what I was feeling and why, and like what was kind of going on with me and why I was maybe acting this certain way because like this is what's going on and so it was a lot of just kind of explaining and and helping him understand maybe why I was feeling a certain way and he's always been so receptive and responsive and held space for me in those moments which has been really beautiful and amazing I think he has a hard time understanding he never knew Paul and so you know there's a lot of the negative things he he only saw my healing and my grieving mm-hmm. and he, and he sees me and my baby and he just says like how could anyone ever do this but at the same time when you know he never saw the other side or like you know the beautiful totally. good things and so I think there's just a lot of that like oh my gosh like this child this woman they're so amazing how could this all happen in this way but then at the same time you know it's not necessarily like 
fault on him. I mean, mental health is mental health. And, mm-hmm. right. you know, when, when it starts going down, it's going down. And if you don't, if you don't get help in that process, you know, it can turn into such a traumatic event. So, um, yeah, so Dane's been, he's been able to be, I mean, he's just held so much space for me in this journey. And it's been so amazing. Do you, you said from an outsider's perspective, um, or an outsider looking in that to a lot of people, you felt like it probably seemed like you, you know, things moved quickly between you and Dane. Did you feel like you had to, like, were there so many opinions and judgments made based on like how you grieved and like, how did you handle that? And how did you move forward with all of that? For sure. I mean, I didn't, I hid our relationship, you know, our, well, first of all, this whole thing became so public really quickly because Mm -hmm. we had to, we had to get information out and we were trying to find him. And so, you know, it became national news. Like it was, Oh yeah. It was such a huge, it was a huge deal. I remember it clearest. There were Facebook groups. I remember seeing the bill. You referenced the billboard. I remember seeing the billboard. I remember all of that. It got so, and I didn't know, like I, I was so in my own world that by the time I looked up and realized like how big it was, like, I just didn't know how big it was and, and how many people were like actually searching and how many people knew about the situation and like the repercussions of that till like almost after the fact. And I was like, holy, like all of these eyes are now watching. And I didn't know what to do with that. And so, you know, um, it felt like, you know, it was especially like Instagram, all these people were just kind of watching and I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do with all of these eyes or what to say or what, like, I just didn't even know. I'm, I'm trying to process it myself. So I think I did turn to Instagram to just be like a place of sharing my healing journey and my process. And I did hide our relationship from Instagram for a long time because I was so nervous about, I just didn't need others' opinions about my relationship with him. And I didn't need all of the, like, I didn't need to add that on top of what we were already, you know, figuring out. Um, So it wasn't until we met in November and it wasn't until July that I kind of announced like... Hey, really Dean, everybody <laughs> but wow. behind the scenes um you know my family was so supportive and so welcoming and it was actually like shocking because they did not have to be that way they all were going through their own experience grieving the loss of Paul and this huge thing that we had all been through and I do think that ultimately my family and his family wanted m- a new beginning for Poppy and I. And so his family was so supportive and so welcoming to Dane and my family was as well. And also our friends who knew him and welcomed him in and everyone was just like wanting us to move forward in a way that felt right. And, and so, yeah, we did get a lot of 
um, comments on social media, like, wow, that was fast, or, you know, this or that, or people just, you know, there were private Facebook groups that I wasn't on where people (laughs) would get on and just think that they knew uh, about our story and they just didn't. And, you know, it's like, you're always Mm going to have haters out there. People always think that they know better, (laughs) but I've had to get really good at blocking out the noise and just keep moving forward from, you know, a place that feels right for me. So yeah, we did. And it was also super complicated. And again, I think I just went back to like, does this feel right in my body? Does this feel right in my heart? Okay, yes, let's keep going. Um, I think I had to keep checking in with myself and where I was at and what I needed to kind of keep processing and then move forward from that place. It was a constant check-in for me. Um, But yes, so much noise and so much backlash and so many people you know, putting their opinions on us, but, and it did affect me for a minute, but I did have to kind of be like, you know what? No, (laughs) I'm just going to do me. So with your, I'm so intrigued with like the healing process from grieving because Mm -hmm. everyone in the, I mean, most human beings are going to have to experience it at some point in their life, whether they're losing a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a spouse, a child, right? Like it's kind of something the human race goes through. Like we all have to experience it in some degree. Uh And I feel like there's, it's the one emotion that it's like, how do you genuinely really like, don't know what it feels like until you're in it. Mm -hmm. And so, and every, obviously everyone finds their healing journey through a different modality, but for you, what has been the most beneficial form of, of navigating the grieving process, like as in forms of therapy or, um, energy work or any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Journaling, like any type of spirituality stuff, like what has been the best recipe for you? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will just to touch on that. I feel like I agree with you. Like grief is one of those things that we all experience in some way. And, um, while the emotion, I think the emotion is the same almost for everyone, but there's obviously varying degrees and other things that make it more complicated, but like grief is grief and it sucks and it's a huge emotion to, to process. And yeah, like you don't really know what you're going to do until you're in that situation. And there's truly not a right or wrong way to process grief. But for me, uh, moving forward, looked like a a ton of therapy and just having someone to bounce my emotions off of having someone to talk to was critical and someone who was not who didn't have an opinion either way it was like that's why the therapist was so great because it was like he wasn't um he wasn't like giving me a like 
his personal opinion. It was like he was just there for me to like express what I was feeling and to get that out of me, which, you know, he was you know, bouncing ideas off of me, but it was just so great to have someone to talk to. And then outside of that, it was a lot of allowing the feelings to, to process through me. So, you know, on a normal day, a seemingly normal day, I could just break down in the car and just have a full on meltdown and allowing myself to do that, like getting comfortable with emotions, getting comfortable with Mm -hmm. big feelings and, and allowing them to have their moment so that I could keep going because if I shoved it down or didn't allow it to move through me, it would show up later in a bigger way or in a harder way or whatever. So I think um, there's not a recipe to process grief per se, but I do think things that help is like allowing the emotions to like flow through you, getting comfortable with those really hard feelings and, and also expressing like what's going on, like to someone who, who can just listen. If you have a friend going through something really hard, I think the best thing you can do is to sit there and listen to them and not say anything, not have an opinion, not try to make it better. Just literally sit there and listen and let them talk because that is a gift. Just being open ears for someone to express how they're feeling. Did you do mostly talk therapy? Is that like the, cause I have a, I also, I have a friend that is going through the grieving process of losing her partner as well. And she, she has done, she tried talk therapy and it, and it worked for a moment, but then she felt like she needed something more for her situation. Mm -hmm. And so she, um, is currently doing EMDR. Is that the right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so that's the type of, and that has been like so beneficial for her. Yeah. So did you do any other types of therapy besides talk therapy? Yeah, I did. I did EMDR. I actually feel like that's actually something I could dive more into EMDR. Um, It was mostly talk therapy. And then I got really into learning about energy work and shamanism and Mm. how to connect to the earth and how to like find my connection in nature. And those like that kind of helped me to find greater purpose and greater meaning Mm. and connect back to myself was through energy and through energy healing and learning about like your chakra system and like when things get blocked, how to, uh, how to clear those energy spaces. And, um, yeah, so I think getting that became um, like a passion for, for me and it still is. And I, um, have been going through this shaman training, which has been really cool for me to just really really connect back to myself. Um, Yeah. So that's been really powerful for me too, but I do think it's important to find a form of therapy that really works for you, whether it's talk therapy or EMDR or energy healing. 
um, just something that that feels aligned for you because yeah talk therapy is not for everyone and sometimes no. you want to dive deeper um so where, yeah. where does someone find I'm like for energy work I think a lot of people don't even know where to start with that because I feel like it can be a taboo topic or it's like a hush hush or if it like involves psychedelics or anything like that it's like no one talks about it and um and and so then people are like left just blind about it like don't know where to go or what it means and so where would you suggest someone could even start to try to figure out where to go if they're wanting maybe um help from a shaman or um anything in that genre of healing where would how where does someone find that you know it is hard and i agree with you it's like really hard to connect and tap into um that community but i would say like finding like a breathwork class that Mm. sounds interesting or find like a meditation or a yoga class and like start just trying to tap into those um, things in around you. So like if you're interested in like yoga or breathwork or meditation, kind of just start finding classes and, and start connecting with people in those kind of communities or even like Facebook groups and kind of start there. I will say like, you know, you definitely want to be careful when it comes to energy healing and energy work. And you want to make sure you're going to someone who like really knows their stuff and is like, you know, definitely qualified to be working on other people. Um, But yeah, I would say just like start just start somewhere, try to find a, a class or a group that meets together, maybe like a Facebook group or, um, I don't know, like if you even like look at yoga studios or something and just connecting with the people that are kind of in your area and kind of going from there, even people, there's so many people on Instagram too, who are, um, really in the energy world or the energy space, finding people that they connect with, just kind of all about getting curious, I think. Yeah, that's a good, that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. I actually haven't even thought about that. Like just starting to go to get yourself into the community of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to ask you a question about kind of some of the bright spots that you have found through um, going through this like grieving process and your healing. And it sounds like that has been a big one is that just certain ways that your life has things that your life has led to now that maybe you wouldn't have tapped into had you not gone through such a hard thing. And it sounds like finding doing like your shaman work and doing a lot of your energy work and healing that way has been like a really bright spot in your healing for you. Yeah, it definitely has. I think, um, it's been like, there's been the duality of like, you know, I'm, I'm processing like really hard things and I'm like really putting in the work, uh, to heal. And with that has come a lot of these beautiful insights or gifts, um, in my journey. So, you know, my, my therapist, he is a shaman and, and does energy work on me, which, is something that has been so powerful 
and then also sparked a lot of interest for me. And my mom also went through that training as well. So she, Hmm. you know, did, you know, I've been exposed to the practices since I was in high school, because that's when she was going through her journey. And so, yeah, I think as I've been going through the process, it's opened up doors for me that never were open in the past. And um, I've allowed myself to get curious and to explore those paths and see what fits and what doesn't and what I'm ready for and what I'm not. Um, I'm sorry, I kind of forgot the question, though. I just I just kind of feel like overall, like, yeah, diving into the work has helped me to um, go down different paths that I never thought I would go down. Was that kind of... What yes, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you say that now you've made mental health such a big focus in your own life and your own family's life. What advice would you give anyone, I mean, who is married or in a relationship or isn't yet, but wants to one day and, and, and making sure that you like, what are some things that you and Dane do and practice now to check in with each other to make sure that um, you guys are both in a good spot mentally? Because I think that is so important. And I think especially during the pandemic, like so many people's mental health struggled. And um, and and I, I think we some people don't know the signs or how to check in with the people they love and, or what to look for. So do you and Dane like do anything specifically to, um, check in with each other together as a, as a couple and, or with your children, um, or do you do any like specific exercises or like family time where you all like talk things through what what things do you guys yeah yeah I mean I think during the pandemic people realize and what we all kind of realized was that our lives have gotten so busy that we've been so good at like shoving things away and just moving forward and keeping ourselves busy to almost like avoid diving in and the Mm -hmm. pandemic allowed us to like sit with our emotions and like let them just show up and be there. And I think a lot of us were like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> um, yes. What am I feeling? Like, why is totally. this up? It's like, oh, I'm not. Where's like, this been? <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't just, yes. like, distract myself from this big emotion. Like, I actually have to, like, sit with it. So mm-hmm. I think for Dane and I, communication is number one. And we've – gotten really good at just letting each other know like hey I'm feeling this or this or um you know just having moments to sit down and communicate with each other what we need or what's going on or how we can help each other or um you know something that we're wanting to to achieve together as far as it relates to the kids, you know, Poppy specifically, because she's a little bit older is, um, I like to just sit with her and give her space to talk. I, I feel like sometimes if I'm asking her too many questions, 
she's just like, you know, I'm getting one worded answers or yeah, no, like she's like annoyed or bored. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I like sit down and play with her and give her the time to like let her feel relaxed and, and comfortable, and then I kind of like throw a question out there, she's way more receptive to answering the question. And, um, you know, having another baby has been kind of a, a little bit of a thing for her to adjust. I mean, we've all been adjusting, but there's been a lot of big emotions there. And so giving her the time to express when she's having a moment of jealousy and um, giving her a little code word, you know, hey, if you're feeling this this feeling, here's a little code word that you can just let me know so I can help you in that moment. Hmm. Um giving her tools to be able to communicate with me so that I can make sure I'm showing up for her and I can show her the importance of expressing her emotions and communicating how she's feeling. And then also creating a safe space for her to do that and not judging her emotion or, or pushing that emotion aside, like really giving her the space to say, Hey, I'm feeling jealous right now and being really okay with her feeling that like I bet you are feeling jealous I'm sorry that you're feeling that way I see that you are and and I'm sorry and let me show up for you right now so um, yeah I think that's kind of right now she's only five so that's kind of how we do it right now no that's perfect I think that even can relate so strongly to adults how you said that sometimes asking a million questions (laughs) Yeah. Even to your partner can be like really annoying to them. And I mean, cause I know this, like when I can tell Colby's off, I like, I'm like, well, what's going on? Well, why are you anxious? Well, just tell yeah. just explain to me what's <laughs> happening. And that never goes well ever. Yeah. Ever. It escalates the problem. <laughs> exactly. And as I have been with him for the many years that I have, I have learned very I've observed him and I've learned when he's in a very comfortable setting and like, I know his, his, his sweet spot of when like, okay, this is a good time to maybe just like have a, like a little bit of a mindless conversation with him or to just hang with him with our, with no phones. And then we can like ease into like, okay, so how are you? Like, how are you feeling today? How's your mental health today? And it always goes over a lot more smooth than when I jump at him, like right when he's done with work and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Why are you acting this way? You've been weird all day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think a lot of times too, when your significant other like walks in the door and you can tell they're off, Mm -hmm. it almost can trigger you. Like, what did I do? What's wrong? Totally. You take Mm -hmm. it almost as like, like, oh, did I do something instead of being like, (laughs) instead of just like letting them have their moment and like feel whatever they're feeling and like not getting triggered, allowing yourself to be like, it's probably not about me, but let's just like let it have its moment. And then later I can address this when like the kids aren't around and like, you know, we can have a little bit more of a moment together to actually communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I agree with you. And I, yeah, that couldn't be more true to like my situation as well. It's like, I need to just like not get triggered right now because this isn't probably about me and wait until we get that opportunity and then, and then ask the questions or, and then, you know, show up in the way that feels 
most appropriate at the time. Yeah. But making sure you are checking in at the same time. Totally. Right. Do you feel like you're in a place where you can like say that you are completely healed and that the grieving process is done or is that, do you feel like that's never, that can never happen? Um, you know, I saw this thing one time that has resonated so much with me, but it's like when a huge event like that happens and when you are dealing with grief, it's almost like, I mean, my whole life shattered to pieces in front of my eyes. And from that moment moving forward, it's like I built my life around the grief. And it all of a sudden became interwoven into the fabric of my life. And, and so I don't ever feel like it's, it's totally gone, although I do feel like it gets farther away. And when it needs its moment, it will come up. And I, I allow that to have its moment. And then it goes back to its place, but it's always kind of there. And, and it's surprising to me kind of now when it shows up, because I do feel like I've processed through so much and I feel so at peace with, with, uh, the way that everything happened. And I have nothing but like respect and love for Paul and, and, um, the life that we had together. So my grieving now looks more like, you know, I just have moments of like, I miss you sometimes, or like, I am, I'm grateful for like the moment that we had together or like, you know, I wish you could see Poppy right now and what's going on in her world. You know, it's more like that. And I, and I make sure that when it comes up, I give it the airtime, but I don't feel like I, you ever just like heal and it's gone. You know, it's like, it's Mm -hmm. always going to be a part of my story and a part of my life and a part of really what's brought me to this place now that I'm in. And, and I have nothing but love and gratitude and respect for that. So I try to give it its moment when it kind of needs a moment, you know? I love that. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people have this like hope that, okay, I'm this horrible thing happened to me. I'm going to grieve it. But when I'm done, like I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to do the work and then it's all going to be done and I can move on. And so it's a little refreshing to hear you say that just to speak honestly on it and just to say that it, it doesn't technically really ever leave, but it can get better and further away and your feelings surrounding it can change and feel better. Yeah. yeah you don't always have time. to be with the anger and you don't always have to be with the Sad. sadness all the time that, yeah, you can change your, even your opinion on someone and your, your thoughts mm-hmm. around the whole process and that it can turn out to be such a, a good, not a good experience, but your feelings for it can change. Exactly. It's like getting a cut or like a wound. It's like, it's gushing, it's bleeding, it's tender, it's like so painful. And as time goes on, you know, it starts healing, you start getting a scab. Um, Sometimes you bump it, it still kind of hurts. And then as time goes on, eventually it just turns into a scar. It's always there. It's always Mm -hmm. a part of you. It's not going to go away, but it's, you know, it's not as tender as it once was. And you've healed 
a lot of parts of it, but it's always still there and it's always going to be a part of your story. And it's what makes you unique and different and beautiful too. That's a really great analogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, we wanted to talk about your podcast for a second because you also have a podcast, which is called the art of joy. Yeah. And so we just wanted you to tell us about it and how it came to be and what your goals were when you started it, just to give us yeah. some info about it. Yeah. So the Art of Joy came, We uh, let's see, it was 2018 when my mom and I launched it together. And it was really born out of a place of wanting to help people who were experiencing similar trials or just anything to feel like they were being seen and heard and maybe sharing a different perspective that they've never felt before. Just like really wanting to help people on their journey and share perspectives and share stories and be a voice for someone who is navigating hard stuff. And so we started the Art of Joy because ultimately I think we believe that Joy is something that it's like you are a piece of art. You think of yourself like like uh, Michelangelo, right, carving um, beautiful sculpture. And every hard thing that you go through, it's like you're chipping away at this masterpiece. And the trials that you go through, you know, they're just chipping away to ultimately discover this true inner divine being of like who you are. And so that's kind of how we view it. Like the art of joy is like you're processing through heavy, big stuff to ultimately keep finding the joy through it all. Yeah, you're going to go through hard things, but there's also going to be joy along the way. And we want to help you find that joy. And so we've interviewed so many different people who've been through really big, hard things. And and we've been able to really create a community of people who have been through hard stuff, but also who want to find the joy and want to find the connection and um, want to see the other side of the hard thing. So yeah, the podcast has been amazing. We took a li- we've taken a little break from it right now because we've been working on a course, which is called mm. Divine Woman. And love. Really, yeah, it's the course is really about helping people to identify wounds and triggers and old stories that keep coming up and to help you process those things in a way so that they aren't taking control of your life, but rather you're using those things as a tool to help you move forward and help you kind of shift the story to um, empower you and to enlighten you. So there's so many different stories that you have in the way that you were raised or the way you grew up. And, and these stories inform the way that you are now, they make up who you are. And so we're helping people kind of look back at those things. What are those things that have made you who you are? And what are the things you want to keep? And what are the things that you want to transform? Mm -hmm. And by transforming those stories, you can ultimately you know, create the life that you really ultimately want because they're no longer holding you back, but they're empowering you. 
when does so, this course come out? Yes. This is this yeah. sounds amazing. That's Tell like us when this comes out. Such a beautiful message. <laughs> yeah. So we are so excited about it. We're hoping October. It's it's recorded. It's being edited. We're hoping okay. October. Um, but we will keep you posted. We don't have an official date yet. Um, but if you if anyone is interested, you can follow the Art of Joy podcast on Instagram. And um, we'll be updating there. And also my Instagram's at Ashley with two E's dot Ann, A-N-N-N. And I also am posting their updates too. But we, yeah, we've been hunkered down. It's been more of a passion project for both of us. And this course has literally been like teaching us as we've been creating it. And so it's been really magical inspirational work for both of us my mom and I and we're so excited to bring it into the world and we also are just like not putting pressure on it either it's kind of one of those things where we're like this is gonna all come out back to timing like at the right time and it's Mm. the people who sign up for this it's gonna feel really aligned and you know with the course we're doing some live training so we're really 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 very very cool yeah, also so excited. special that you get to do it with your mom. Yeah. <sighs> I know. I, to I process agree. it all with your mom. Absolutely. Well, and you honestly, mean. not like such a great example of a teacher, someone to teach a course on this topic is obviously someone who has gone through something so hard and turned it into something mm-hmm. so beautiful. So that's so special. Yeah. And my mom has been through so many hard things as well. And it's interesting, you know, the dynamic of mom daughter is like, there's a lot of generational trauma that we are healing, like Mm. in real time. And so, you know, things come up for her, and then it comes up for me. And it's like, (laughs) wait, you need to heal that. So I can heal that. Like, hey, we're checking each other. Like, hey, you need to do your work on that. Because when you do it, then I can do it. And like no one else better to call you on that than like your mom or or, or you to your mom. Like, yes, exactly. And that's the thing. Like we, I know so many uh, women don't have that kind of relationship with their moms, but we hope that we can inspire people who have kids to create that environment for their kids. And like they can be, have that kind of a relationship, you know, with your kids that you can have that kind of close connection Mm -hmm. and, close like check-in on each other moving forward so yeah it's been a really fun um dynamic and you know we have our moments but it's definitely been overall like I feel so lucky and grateful that that we have each other and that I have her on my journey to help me process so, so beautiful yeah. so exciting I'm gonna be looking I know forward to sounds this. really yeah. incredible <laughs> Um, and we'll be sure we'll be sure to put all of your information in our show notes too so that everybody knows where to find you we thank you we ask all of our listen or all of our guests a kind of cringy question at the end of every interview (laughs) (laughs) so what makes you unique and special like to this world what do you feel makes you unique and special Mm, wow, good question. <laughs> we always love, a... but yes, 
It's like, hard. We hard. always love to put people on the spot with it to have to brag about themselves. I know. You know, this is something that I, I think this is a question that I've been on a journey of like discovering for myself for a long time, like really since everything crumbled to pieces. But I think that I am really good at, um, overcoming hard things, recognizing my own triggers, recognizing when I'm in, when I'm off and identifying what I need to do to change or shift and how I'm projecting um, my own things onto the people around me and trying to shift that. I think, I think I'm constantly just trying to be better and do better. And I'm proud of myself for that. And I'm proud of myself for the life I've created um, outside, of, you know, like for kind of where I am now versus where I was five years ago. I'm really proud of that and for the person that I have basically stepped into since, you know, five years ago when my, my, my life crumbled to pieces. So yeah, I think I'm just, I really do feel proud of myself for getting to this place and for being able to identify um, things I've needed to work on. And then also just, you know, sitting in gratitude as well for everything that I have right now and this beautiful life that that I have. And like every day I just sit in awe of like, what is even going on? Like, how did I get here? This is honestly like insane. Like it hits me probably every day where I look at my daughters, like, how do I get to have you? And like my husband, like what, how, like, I just am so, so, so grateful because I've been in that place of losing it all that I just can't even believe I get to have this now. And I just, I really am so grateful for it. I, I think that you're, I just thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. and being vulnerable with us today and, and just talking through all the real and the raw. I think that you're, the reason we wanted you on was because Julie and I both, I mean, we've like followed you and your story. And I just think that you bring such a beautiful example to so many people because truly you hit it. It's a good example of having your life crumble and that you can either sit in it and sit in the crumble and let yourself continue to crumble, or you can look at it as a rebirth and, Mm -hmm. and we, whatever you believe in a God or a higher power or anything, I think that they would want you to to continue to blossom in your life and be happy. The whole point of being here is to be our best self and to be happy and to love our lives and to always be working on ourselves. And so you're just such a great example of that that is achievable for anyone who's listening and feels like they are in the deepest, darkest spot of their life right now. It, it doesn't have, you don't have to stay there. But it, and I love that you've shown that it it does take work to get yourself back there to, Mm -hmm. to finding, finding yourself again, but it is achievable and it can be beautiful and it can even be, it could be even better than the life you had previously. 
So absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you, yeah, you are such a wonderful example of the after. Mm-hmm. And we're so grateful that you were willing to be open and honest with us here. And we can't thank you enough. It's been so special. Um, and you're going to be helping so many people. Yes. So we thank really appreciate that. Thank you for having me and for giving me an opportunity to share my story again. And, you know, I, I haven't done an interview in a while, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk about my story and in hopes to help, you know, someone who's maybe navigating a similar thing. So thank you for having me. Thank you for creating this beautiful podcast and allowing space for me to share my story. Grateful for you guys. Ah, well, we love you and we will make so sure to put all of your information in the show notes. And everyone Perfect. who's listening needs to follow Ashley and the Art of Joy. <laughs> and probably buy your course. And buy the course. The minute <laughs> it comes out. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Thank you. Well, all thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you.